0: good morning, everybody. So glad to have you. And again, I just want to reiterate how thrilled we are to have you if you are visiting for the first or second time. uh, We we hope that you feel right at home as you dip your toe in the water at Timber Creek. Let's give our guests a great welcome again. So glad to have you. And I also want to say welcome to those watching online and then our location over in Dieball at the Dieball Correctional Center. You guys are not a church project. You are part of our church family. And uh, we're so glad that you're joining us today. Let's give it up for all of our guys at the Dieball Correctional Center. <laughs> hey, listen, cool cool report uh, at Dieball. The, the average attendance of those that take this service on Sunday and then they watch it on Wednesday night and they participate. Man, those guys worship. They take notes like crazy. Man, I, I, I have been with them and seen it in action and just overwhelmed with how much they're, they're jumping in. But not only that, they're inviting their family members to watch online too. So when they're able to talk to some family throughout the week... Uh, they're they're able to kind of because of what we're doing go to church together as one of them watches either here in the service or online and then they watch in their Wednesday night service so it's really cool what God uh, is doing and uh, excited to, for the future as we get ready to launch our second prison venue uh, in the weeks to come cool stuff going on at Timber Creek Church hey we're gonna read a scripture together and then we're gonna jump right in and this scripture comes from the book of Isaiah the prophet Isaiah towards the old test into the Old Testament. Uh, gives this word of God and he, he's, God is speaking through Isaiah and I want you to say it with me out loud. You ready right here online there in Dybal, let's go, here we go, say it with me. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than my ways and his thoughts higher than my thoughts. That's really the essence of following Jesus. That when we can step aside from our own path, our own ideas, what seems good to us, that was the issue in the garden where it looked like the apple was pleasing to the eye and good for knowledge and gaining wisdom and and, and good for food. When we can get beyond what we think is good and go higher to his thoughts, his ways, his character, convictions and conduct, that's really the plan of God for us. In fact, there is a way that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to disaster. But God's ways are higher, they, they may not even make sense to you now. But if you could see the kind of picture that God sees, the, the, the helicopter view of what God sees in life and in time and in your own uh, life, you would say, oh, that's why God did it that way. In fact, what's happening is there are two stories going on in my life and in yours. There is an upper story and there is a lower story, and the lower story that's happening right here. On earth you can only see a few feet in front of you you don't necessarily see you can maybe try and predict some of the curveballs or you might be able to predict some of the right-hand turns or detours that your life experiences but you're not gonna know everything until you experience it God's ways are higher he sees beyond he sees that curveball and so there are stories happening in your life right now that you only see so much but the upper story is what's happening, that God sees what, what you can become from that adversity, what you can learn from that test, what you are, how you're going to grow or how you're going to push away, depending on how you respond to that challenge. There's an upper story and a lower story. And see, the goal of us as Christ followers, maybe you're still checking out Christianity, you're, you're trying to figure it out, you're, you've, maybe you're kind of you're here because someone invited you, but you kind of emotionally, spiritually, maybe even physically cross your arms and say, eh, this isn't for me, let's just get through this and get my son a backpack, that's fine. We're glad you're here. But for those of you that, that you've said, I really want to be a Christian, I want to follow Christ. Well, the, the goal is to align my story with God's story. It's not to follow Jesus is what feels good for me or what's convenient at the time. Because trust me, following Jesus is going to create some incredible inconveniences for your life. Oh, but they're good inconveniences. They're good if you can trust him through the whole story. They're good. They're good challenges that you're fa- that you'll face when when you face adversity when you stay on track of aligning your story. With God's story. You know, Jesus says this in the prayer uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, his ways higher, his ideas, his will for our life in heaven, it's up to us. We're, we've given free choice on how we're gonna live his will on earth. And when we pray every single day, that Lord's prayer, we are aligning ourselves with his will, not ours. With what he sees in heaven versus what I see on earth. And throughout the word of God, he has shown us different ways to align with his story. We are, if you're new today and you're visiting for the first time or haven't been here for a while, I want to welcome you back. But but we have been going since Super Bowl Sunday, we have been taking one week at a time, going through the story of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation in chronological order. And we have two weeks left out of this 28-week series. So, so we've just got two weeks left next Sunday and then August 12th as we will put the finale, the final touches on it. So excited about the next two weeks. You don't want to miss the ending, the finale of, of the whole series we've been doing called The Story. But today we start a brand new chapter of one of the episodes, if you will, in this big mini-series known as the story of God. So take your study notes right there on your worship guide and, and I want to remind us of some of the episodes that we're going through as you look at the story of God. The story of God is in five episodes throughout the Bible. Episode one is about the story of the garden. And it's in Genesis chapter 1 through 11. It's a smaller story when you consider all the other chapters and books of the Bible. But it is the beginning and you've got to get episode 1 to understand episode 2, 3, 4, and 5. Okay, you you need to know episode 1. And so episode 1, let me just read it to you. Basically, in the upper story, God creates the lower story. He creates the heavens and he creates the earth. His vision is to come down and to live life with us in a beautiful garden. But the first two people reject God's vision and are escorted from paradise. Hey, by the way, parents, if you've ever struggled with maybe your kids going south or they, they, your kids haven't really uh, become who you wish they would have become or they've drifted or they're, they're going down a path, you, you just, oh, why are they doing that? I just want you to know... Uh, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. God, the first parent of all who birthed out of dust and dirt and rib, he birthed two humans, then gave us the responsibility of reproduction. Even his two kids veered off path. So, so don't, don't beat yourself up. You got to give it to God and trust God that his bigger story, his upper story is still going to work out in the lower story. But their vision, they, they're escorted from paradise, their decision introduces sin, sin that separates us from God. It's simply the terminology like an arrow that's shot towards a, a target. When an arrow sins, it, it, it misses the target. It, it moves away. It doesn't, it doesn't hit where it's supposed to go. And when we sin, the, this whole moment in the garden introduces that separating, that, that, that not hitting the mark. It introduces that concept into the human race and keeps us from community with God. At this moment, though, God gives us a promise and launches a plan to get us back. He had already a plan, but he was going to show it to us in a few different episodes. The rest of the Bible, then, is God's story of how he keeps that promise and makes it possible for us to enter a loving relationship with him. That episode closes in Genesis 11, and then towards the middle of Genesis 11, we get episode 2, the story of Israel. Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons and those become the tribes of Israel and God builds a brand-new nation called Israel. And through this nation, he's going to reveal his presence, his power, and his plan to get us back. It's, It's a story, it's an episode all about showing his presence, power, and plan to get us back to where we belong in community with God. Every story of Israel, how many stories? Every story of Israel will point to the first coming of Jesus, the one who will provide the way back to God. So when you read about the, the, the three Hebrew children thrown into the fiery furnace, and yet there's a fourth man with them that looks like the son of God. It's not just about the fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar stoked to burn these three Hebrew children. It's that the upper story is I'm going to be with you in the fire. That I'm going to send somebody that's going to walk through this with you. In the little story where, where the, this, this school of prophets, this little Bible school, they're hungry, there's been a famine in the land, and, and, and Elijah says, hey, let's cook up a good meal, and one of them goes out to the backyard, it's been a famine, there's not any food, but he finds like a gourd he says, Oh, that I bet we could have some gourd soup. And he goes over to the kitchen, chops up the gourd, throws it into the pot. Sure enough, the gourd is poisonous. And when everybody around the cafeteria tables there at the Bible school, they take the first sip, they, they, they eat the thing, they chew into the gourd, and they, they start going, ah. once ah, somebody yells out, O M-O-G, O oh, man of God. O M-O-G. <laughs> and and, and OMOG, oh, well, what are we doing? It's poison. And what happens is uh, the prophet goes and, and he, he doesn't pull the gourd out of the soup. He pours flour into the soup and it offsets the, the, the disease, the, uh, the poison in the stew. What is he saying? It's a story that points to Jesus that it's never what you could pull out of your life on your own. You can't pull the poison out, everybody. It's how Jesus, when he's added into our life, he, he offsets the poison. He destroys it. And when we add into our life jesus it's just an imagery that shows shows us that points to jesus then we get into episode three and that's where we move from the garden to the nation of israel to the story of jesus from heaven to earth in the flesh fully divine fully human and jesus leaves the upper story of heaven to come down into our lower story on earth to be with us and to provide the way for us to be made right With God, We had been trying to find our own ways to be made right with God, and finally enough is enough, and Jesus says, okay, now we're going to show you. You've tried to do it on your own, now let me show you how to do it. And through faith in Christ's work on the cross, we can now overturn Adam's choice and have a personal relationship with God for what he did on the cross. It's not just a religious moment of what we could do, it's what he did on the cross, and it's engaging that personal relationship. Now, skip over episode 4 and let's go to episode 5 because we're going to spend time in episode 4 today. But if you go to episode 5, episode 5 is the story of the new garden. And the new garden is where God is going to one day create a new earth and a new garden and once again come down and be with us. You you see the full circle of his story that we didn't get it right the first time. And we're going to learn through millennia. And we don't know how long it's going to be until this new heaven and new earth. But someday the Bible is clear that there is going to be a finale to this earth as we know it. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And all who place their faith in Christ in this life will be eternal residents in the life to come. The story ends where it started full circle in relationship with God. But till then, you and I are living in episode four. we, We are in, we are experiencing today, you and I, the middle of episode four. We don't know if we're in the beginning, the middle, or even the end of episode four, but we're smack dab in it. And here's episode four. It's the story of the church. And here's what the church looks like. Everyone who comes into a relationship with God through faith in Christ, they begin to belong to a new community God is building called the church. Now, the church isn't a building. It's a body. The church isn't a a place, it's a people, it's, it's an it's a organism, it's a living, breathing thing. And the church is commissioned to be the presence of Christ in the lower story, telling his story by the way we live and the words we speak. People will know who Jesus is, not by the steeple on buildings, everyone. People will not know who Jesus is, whether they see a cross on a wall, Or whether they go to a wedding on the outside of the church or inside the church. People will not know who Jesus is unless the church actually speaks the way we're to speak and live the way we were to live. And and the truth is, when the church doesn't live the way we ought to live or speak the way we ought to speak, what happens? There's a misunderstanding of the church. And every story of the church is supposed to... Point people to the second coming of Christ when he will return to restore God's original vision. Until that day comes, we're to be faithful with the way we live and the words we speak. And so Jesus comes. He dies. He resurrects three days later. He lives for another uh, uh, 40 days And on the 40th day, he ascends into heaven, he says, go wait in Jerusalem, I'm not just going to leave you high and dry, I'm actually going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be, you're not going to just be going to a temple to worship, you're going to become the temple. You're going to be a movement of my body with my spirit in you as the church. And sure enough, 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out People are added, thousands of people are added. And we see this story in Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, 41 through 47. Those people that are listening on that day of Pentecost, those who accepted his message, they were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And over the course of the next several years, about 25 years, that number moves to almost 150,000 people in 25 years in Jerusalem alone. Jerusalem was roughly 250,000 people. So a little over 50% of the city of Jerusalem began to follow the way of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Whoa. That's, that is some expansion right there. That would be, that would be like fifteen or 16,000 people in the middle of, of Lufkin over the next de- couple of decades to become part of the church as we know it. The, the church following Jesus. Wow, wouldn't that be... Awesome. They devoted this this body, this group, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So it wasn't just coming to church. It wasn't just doing a moment. It was devoting themselves to what was being spoken. It was community together. It wasn't just getting my church on. It wasn't just checking the box of church on Christmas or Easter or whenever. It was about true devotion. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There was something significant about the people that made up the church. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And what that means is it's not like everything like it means they, they were in such unity, it was hard to divide them. They were in such unity. The most important things were the most important things. I mean, one guy might like rice and the other guy might like noodles. But they had everything that was important in common. You know, they went to the point where they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Say this out loud with me. With glad and sincere hearts. Good job. Now log that in your old digital Rolodex here. Because we're going to come back to glad and sincere in a minute. Praising God And enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved it became a way of living in fact Christianity the word Christianity didn't show up until about 25 years later in Acts chapter 11 in fact the first 10 chapters of Acts span a 25 time It wasn't until the church of Antioch where they started calling each other Christians before then they were calling people followers of the way are you a follower of the way? When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. Those that began to follow him and were baptized, they became part of followers of the way. Now, over centuries, from that time, 2,000 years ago to today, there have been different expressions, different versions, good and not so good, of what the church has become. Where people have stayed true to what the original vision that God had for his body to look like. We've done well and we've not. There would be even seasons of life that we could say as a church where we did well to represent the body of Christ. And other times maybe we, we, we didn't do so well. And what has happened is the people on your block, your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors, their perception of church is not about what the building looks like. It gives you a sense of the church, but it doesn't really tell you much more other than architecture. But when I read earlier, the way people speak and the way people live, that's what gives people the best understanding of the church. And some people's perspective and their perception of church... Is wrong even maybe some of us in the room today you're here but your your reality of church has been has been determined by your perception of church and if your perception is off your reality is going to be skewed of what church should even look like feel like be like in fact write this down my perception of it determines my relationship to it my perception of authority if anybody that has authority in my life, if I think they're just there to keep me down, to put a thumb on me, to not let me have any, thum, any fun, then all of a sudden, if I look to those in authority as a thumb, uh, just a rules and guardrails and no fun, then my, my, my response to that is going, is going to be shifted by my perception. Are, are we tracking this morning? you with me? So think about this. My perception as a child in my home to my dad or my mom determines my relationship to my dad or my mom. And what can happen is sometimes when somebody has a perception of what a father is like and they've been a bad father, when they hear God is our father, their reality or their understanding or definition of who God is becomes... Different based on their perception of how they grew up with a dad or maybe not with a dad or maybe with a good dad or maybe with a dad who was abusive or hurtful. So perception to it develops the relationship with it. Jesus dealt with this. Jesus dealt with perceptions of people for his years of ministry. In fact, we read in Mark chapter 8, when Jesus and his disciples left Galilee, they went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. They're just on a little walk hanging out, and as they were walking along, he asked them, hey, guys, got a question for you. He was always using questions. I love his questions. Like my mom, when we were kids, she would use questions. Where have you been? <laughs> you know, like, but she knew I had not been where I was supposed to be. She just used that question, and all of a sudden I'm like, uh, <laughs> what do you think? I'm you know. Did you watch that movie the other night when you weren't supposed to watch that movie the other night? And here's how I would answer, yeah, right, mom, like I really watched that movie the other night, because I had really watched that movie the other night. I was trying to get by with it, you know. But well, Jesus says, hey, who do you, who do people say I am? Who do you, what, what are your friends saying about me? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah and others say you're just kind of the, one of the prophets. And Jesus goes on to say, okay, but who do you say? I am. That's what your friends say, but who do you say I am? Now, this is a dangerous question. This is, this is a loaded question. Because if you're a devout follower of Judaism, which many of his disciples were, if you're a follower of Judaism and you say that someone is like the Messiah or the anointed one and they're not, then you, you could be stoned to death. There are big ramifications. So they're kind of cautious to, to say it. Of course, Peter, who is like the loudmouth, you know, deadliest catch, roughneck, redneck sailor, he goes, I'll tell you who you are right now. You're on the cross, the son of the living God. I mean, like he, he just blurted it out and he was, he was right. But the rest of them, they, they were kind of cautious because who do you say that I am? That's an important thing. It's an important. And here's what I want to say to us. Who do we say the church is today? Who do we say Jesus is? Uh, Because in our culture there are lots of different opinions, perceptions, perspectives on what the church looks like or or what the church should be doing or what the church shouldn't be doing. And so for the rest of our time we have, I want to unpack just a few perceptions that have become reality in people's lives. In fact, some, even in this room, you may have a perception of church that if we look at the scripture, you you may be living in a skewed perception. So let's, let's look at these. Some people say that the church is like these things. Number one, write it down, a country club with restricted access. Some people think the church is the country club, the locked gate. I can only get in if I look a certain way, do a certain thing, wear the certain clothes, give the certain amount the The country club is restricted and, and you are not allowed in. the gate is closed, and you just push push on the speaker out in the in the uh, you know parking lot and Shh, hello, can I come in? Well, uh, give us your uh, date of birth and your social security number and and like people look at it that way, and the only way I can get in is if i if I fit a certain mold, that's, that's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day had done to finding God. From the time of the Old Testament to the time Jesus shows up, they had created a religious elite situation for God. Unless you looked a certain way, did a certain thing, they added over 600 extra laws to the law of God for you to live by, for you to have to do a certain thing and live a certain way. And, and here's what's crazy about Jesus. It was the religious people that didn't like him, they didn't want anything to do with him, and it was the regular people that were attracted to him. So already, if we're the body of Christ, if the church is the body of Christ, then we already know church does not equal, listen, everybody, church does not equal the religious elite. We ain't the religious elite. And if we ever get that thought, shame on us, it's those kind of people that Jesus actually didn't want to hang out with. He wanted to hang out with... People who knew they had junk. People who knew they were not trying to live a secret life. They wanted regular people, like like I mean Zacchaeus, who was was a was a tax guy, was was a not, it was a, just like a dirty con artist thief who was stealing money from the Jews, and he he wanted to see Jesus though, and he climbed up the sycamore tree, and he had to take a look, and it's those kind of people. It's not religious elite. The church is regular people. You're not going to find a staff member, you're not going to find a pastor, you're not going to hear a pastor next to a TV today speak that comes from a place of being elite, being above, being beyond. I still got to sacrifice and surrender to Jesus every day. Still got times where I'm strong in my faith and other times I'm tempted. Other times where I do well as a husband and then moments I say, blew it. I blew it. After my wife says, you know, you blew it, <laughs> you know. And then a, five or six times I say, I didn't blow it. I didn't, ble- I didn't blow, you blew it. And then finally I say, you're right, I blew it, I blew it. It's for regular people. You know, we say around here, this is a church where it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Don't, don't get your, don't think that you get your ducks in a row before you get to church. Like you, you gotta come with your junk. It's the way, this way Jesus operates that all who are weary come. Like, like, just just come on. Stop trying to fix it before you are part. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And maybe you're here this morning, or you're there in Dyball, or you're watching this months from now, and you are at a place where you're not okay. Well, that's okay, but God didn't intend for you to stay that way. The church, as we speak who he is and we live the way he's called us to live, We provide what only God can do, and that is healing for those that aren't okay. It's not a country club with restricted access. It's a wide open door. All who are thirsty come and drink of Jesus. Number two, some people think the church is like a movie to enjoy and then critique. Now we probably wouldn't say it that way, but we come in and we sit down, we grab our cafe aroma, which is delicious. Um, we we have our our you know burrito breakfast burrito and we 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 hear we listen we respond to the music we hear a message we take a couple notes and then and then when we're done that, that was good and he said ah, I like the middle part or that that was the that action moment was really cool or I thought the movie was too long the movie was just too too long the 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 guy the lead character that was speaking the whole time he just he just. He wasn't handsome enough, and you know, just, just problems, you know. But he did get the girl in the end. Hi, I got my girl, and and uh, you know, so so like it's a movie to critique. Like it's way beyond that because here's here's what movies do. Movies gather audiences, and do you know something? Write it down. We are not the audience. When we come into this room today, you're not the audience. I'm not the audience. There is an audience. There is an audience here, but it's not you and it's not me. In fact, we're not the audience. You know who we are? We're the worshipers. See, an audience comes and says, Do something for me, entertain me, give me information. Worshipers, when they get dressed and they they get ready and they walk in, and they're worshipers say, I'm here for someone else. I, I I'm 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 not here. See, if we could change the dynamic of what happens on Saturday night and Sunday morning, it would drastically change church attendance all across the United States. If people on Saturday night would set themselves an iPhone alarm and say, Tomorrow, I'm going to make it a priority to worship God. Not tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to go to church because my grandma's going to ask me about it and she just won't get off my back. I, I'm going to worship. You know, when I would play sports, soccer, basketball, baseball, there'd be there'd be people in the bleachers. And I'm gonna tell you, when I did something good and the bleachers, you know, and everybody's cheering on on the home team side of the bleachers, that's fun. It's neat to hear that. But I could always, there was only just a couple voices I was looking for. They, all the voices were neat, but there was nothing like hearing the voice of my dad. Yeah, son. Yeah, go, get him, buddy, Jern Bern, he called me, Jern Burn. Go get him, Jern Bern. My brother was Jer Bear because he was Jared. Get him, Jer Bear. My sister was Lacey, the chosen one. No, that's not what it's <laughs> you know, that's how the youngest is. You know, she didn't have a nickname. She was just the princess of all princesses. It didn't matter what everybody else yelled. I'm telling you, I could hear my dad's voice over over them all. And you know what, when we come in and we worship, we're not worshiping for, for this audience, we're worshiping for the audience of one. And so when we come in and say, I hope they're going to sing the song I like. I, I hope that, that, that the, the music's going to be what I want. If we could change and have the perspective of the church and say, I hope my heart and attitude honors Jesus today. I hope that I'm able to offer surrender to Jesus today, yeah. We're the worshipers, God is the audience, God's the audience. So it's way beyond a movie that we critique and we say, hey, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. You know, we were, uh, we were voted, everybody, Timber Creek Church, according to Lufkin Daily News is the best church in, in, in Lufkin, right, just, just recently, and, and that's pretty cool, right. That's pretty cool. But I hope to Jesus that we're not voted best church because of buildings and stuff, but that we would be known as the church that truly lives out the kind of life Jesus would want his body to live. That's that's the best church. That's the best. That's the best. I was voted best pastor, but it's because my mom voted like 7,000 times. (laughs) Number three, a gas station for my weekly fill-up. That's how some people view church. Going to get my praise on. Going to get to church. Going to get it. Uh Uh-uh, not today, devil. I'm going to get in, get my fill-up. Because Monday and Saturday, it is like hell on earth. Or I may act like hell on earth, to be honest with you. So I just come and get my fix. I come and get my gas station fill-up, and you know what, depending on the mileage that you run into during the week, you may not, depending on your own personal gas mileage, you may not need another fill-up for a few months. You're good. I got my stuff in. And some of you, your mileage goes down the more issues you face, the more hurt you endure, And so your gas gauge goes to empty quicker than than others. But the truth is, church isn't just to fill us up until we feel empty. It's way beyond that. We, we, We can't just go to church. We're to be the church. We are the church. And so how does that work? It means that the purpose of us being filled up on a Sunday morning is not just for us to make it to the next fill up. It's so that we would be poured out. It's that you would be emptied out. It's that you would see the hurts around you and heal them. That you would see the needs and fill them. That, that you would be the body of Christ activated in your city, in your workplace, in your family. The, the hands and feet of Jesus and we can't just go. We got to be the church. And we're filled up, yes, for us, but it's not just us. It's for those that have never darkened the door of a gathering like this that need you to bring the church to them. Amen. Bring the church to them. We are filled up to be emptied out. That's the church. And they said they, they whatever they had need, they gave. And they... Like they had everything in common. It's just like there was such this unity that, what you need, man, I'm here for you. And and wow, what that's the kind of church that changes the spiritual landscape of a community. Some people say the church is number four, like a restaurant that serves me what I want. I want a good menu. I want to see my options. What are your programs? I want to make sure that you have the options I like, and they all need to be gluten free. I, I, want, I want a menu to decide, because you know what? and this listen listen, this is normal lingo, this is not bad lingo. I hear it a lot. I'm just kind of church shopping. I'm church shopping. Uh, I'm church shopping. Well, that's fine. But when we're shopping, when we're shopping, that takes a different perspective. What can I get? What, what do you have for me, right? And, and if we're not careful, we show up to church and we sit down and we wait for someone to come and serve us. But really, we're not the guest. We're not the guest. It, listen, if you're a guest today, if you have visiting, then you're the guest. So don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> but if you've been here for a while... You're not like, hey, I'm an all-time guest, baby. I've been a guest for 17 years. No, that doesn't work that way. You're actually, you're disconnected. Your perception is wrong. You're welcome to be here. But you're not a guest anymore. In fact, we move, when we join the body of Christ, we move from being a guest to being a host. You heard it in the video announcements, but every single Sunday morning... The first Sunday of the month, we start a brand-new four-week experience called Starting Point. You can sign up for it out in the lobby. But Starting Point helps us understand, helps us take the journey from a guest to a host. To, from, from someone who's just getting filled up to someone who's learning how to be emptied out. And, and if you've never gone through Starting Point, whether this is your first Sunday or your first, fifth, fifth-hundredth Sunday, can I say to you, some of you senior citizens, You've been here a long time, but you've never gone through Starting Point, or it's been years. I want to tell you, nothing would stir your heart more if you took a month out of your year and you just came and joined us in Starting Point. I know all about you. I know, but you could see people who are new to Jesus, people who are wanting to. You'd meet new friends. It'd just be so fun. I want to challenge you, your senior saints, if you've not been in Starting Point in years. This would be a great time for you to to restir. What God wants to do through you so that you don't accidentally become a guest. But that you keep being a host for what God wants to do. Bible says that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Whoa. Glad and sincere hearts. When when, when people think of you, when, when they do a survey of you at the office... And they say, what words would describe Tammy? Do they say, oh, glad and sincere. (laughs) I don't know what they call Tammy, you know. Probably if you surveyed the staff at Timber Creek. When you think of Pastor Jeremy, what are the two words that describe him, you know. Loud and gassy. I don't know what they'd say. (laughs) I don't know what they'd say. But glad and sincere, I wish that would be, but it's not always the truth. In fact, when you hear people outside the church, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. When you hear people outside the church that don't like the church, that have a poor perception of the church, when they talk about the church, you're going to fill in the blank. They say, nah, 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 nah. I don't go to church because the church is full of, oh, you got it. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. judge, Judgy. They're so judgy. Judgmental hypocritical and can I say something to you yeah (laughs) they're right there's a whole lot of hypocrisy and a whole lot of judgmentalism and if we had more gladness and sincerity if they saw how we spoke and how we lived outside the church That would remedy that pretty quick. But instead, what's happening is the church, once they get outside here, because we've created this environment that forces people to put masks on and they can't be authentic because, man, if I told people that I was struggling with porn, they'd disown me in the church because, you know, the country club is only for those that have it all together. And, man, I'm struggling. I wish, but I'm about ready to lose my marriage. I'm about ready to lose this and that. And if I don't talk to somebody about this, and what happens is we create hypocrites. By not providing an environment where it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. When, 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 we, when all we can do is, is look at what's wrong with somebody versus see their God-given potential. Like God sees beyond what you got wrong. And he sees all the things that can be right but aren't right yet. And he sees it in a sailor called Peter, beyond who he was to who he could become. And he sees it to a a guy whose name was Saul who was persecuting Christians on his way to kill Christians. And Jesus interrupts his trip to Damascus and he sees beyond who he is to who he can become. And that's your story. That's your upper story, husband. That's your upper story, wife. That's your upper story, teenager, trying to figure out your identity, wrestling with all kinds of thoughts, his ways are higher. He knows more. He loves you beyond what you could even understand. But if we're, if we're instead of being glad and sincere, if we're breaking bread in homes and eating together with judgmental and hypocritical hearts, then we're going to produce exactly that. But let me also to defend, the church, defend the church for just a second and say, guess what else is full of hypocrites? Like... Home Depot and Taco Bell and Walmart and the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives and your family and my family and Facebook galore. Okay? So we're not in, we're all in this together, everybody. But let's change the trend. Come on, Timber Creek. Let's change the trend. Let's change, let's be known for glad and sincere hearts, not for judgmentalism. Hypocrisy. Oh, God, we have to stop now and just pray. Jesus, would you give us all glad and sincere hearts? Exchange this junk that gets me critical and just want to ooze it out on Facebook and with people. God, shut up our gossipy, critical mouths. May people see sincerity and authenticity in us and in me and in this church and if nobody else will, may we lead the way in Jesus' name. Amen. God was calling me on the phone saying, I heard your prayer. Look, we want to we model. We want to model glad and sincere hearts. We want to model, find a need and fill it in. You know, this is backpack giveaway day and, and backpack give back. And if you're here just for the backpack and you're never going to be back, I want you to know with gladness and sincerity and no strings attached, we're so glad you're here. If you never come, you you go to another church, faithful to another church, pay your tithe to another church, but you're here for a backpack, I'm so glad you joined us today. Thank you. We're not expecting anything from you. I, I also... I also just know time is ticking, oh, tita, tickino. time is ticking away till the next year, and we got teachers that have been on a little bit of summer vacay from the cray-cray, <laughs> and they're going back to the cray-cray. Now listen, I, this is not everybody, so, so hear me close. This is not everybody, but, but, but hear me very clearly. If you are a teacher that teaches between kindergarten and 12th grade, you're a full-time teacher teaching kindergarten to 12th grade, whether you are public school, private school, or you are a parent that homeschools your children from kindergarten to 12th grade. So daycare is important and we don't. there's another day for that. Um, and college is great and we need it, but there's another day for that. I just, I just want to talk to, if you're teaching, if you have students underneath your leadership, K to 12th grade, Public, private, or homeschooled. I want to invite you right now just to stand where you are. Just stand right where you are. <laughs> Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Stay standing. Stay standing. All right. Here's here's what I want. I want to honor you, teachers, for just a moment. And here's how we're gonna do it. I need your participation though. I want you guys again to give them a huge round, but every single one of you teachers, come up and stand right here. Stand right here. Come <laughs> on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, right here, Dawn. Come on, guys. Hurry, 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 hurry. <sighs> hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, quick, 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 <clears throat> quick, quick. quick, quick. <gasps> <Woo. clears throat> come on, come on down. Wow, look at all these teachers. <laughs> oh, baby, you're worth it. Okay, so. Yeah. Oh, my. Thankfully, the church is a people and not a building because that song, whatever. Anyway, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, teachers, I want you to look at me, okay? And you beautiful faces. I know the congregation loves that, but I want to be I'm jealous of of your eyes for a moment um from kindergarten to twelfth, there's this incredible spectrum of what kids are going through there's also what teachers go through and the 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 weight you carry sometimes is a wonderful joy with the child who excels and other times it can be difficult to see the god-given potential of someone who can disrupt class or is a struggle right You see parents who are invested. You see parents who seem like they don't give a care. And you're in the intersection of opportunity. In fact, I want to challenge you to be the church, to be the body of Christ in a way that nobody else can during this school year. There's a blessing that you can be that nobody else can be. And, 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 you know, the Bible talks about arrows in the hands of a father. Like, those children are arrows in your hands. And part of their potential is unlocked by how you interact and treat and your perspective. If your perception, here we go, another year, guess what? It's going to be another year. But if your perception is God is going to create intersections of hope and healing God's going to create intersections of learning and development. Little seeds are going to be planted by the words I say and the way I live. When you think of it that way, those are arrows. Partnered with parents, you teachers, you make a difference. And we can't give you everything we wish we could give you. In fact, you're one of a long list of servants in our community that give back to the community. But because this is Backpack Give Back... And because we're in this moment, this intersection, and because we have a core value here at the church where we want more for the next generation, we have a a little gift for you today. Uh, I have my team at every single row here. And as you walk back to your seat in just a moment, every teacher, we're giving you a, a $50 bill. Now, here's why we're giving you this $50 bill. If you, if you need supplies, buy supplies. But if that's not an issue, I want you to think about that $50 bill this year, this semester, this whole year. And I want you to ask God, God, how could I invest in the whole class, in one family, in two children, in one kid? Is it just that I'm going to have a party for them at, during the year and you use the $50 to throw a party? Or, or there's a kid that, that it's cold and they don't have a coat. You be the leader. You be the church. You you decide how how that investment of the funds. And listen, we couldn't do this unless the church was continues to be generous. And you guys this year have been so generous, we're able to do this with the offerings that we received. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? (laughs) Father, I pray over these teachers and the arrows that will be in their hand. God, I pray that you would give them insight, give them direction on how to invest, not just this little bitty $50, but their their year towards these children. Build them up, encourage them in Jesus' mighty name. Now listen, guys, here's what we want you to do. Um, take it. You don't have to tell us anything about it. But if something happens, we would love to hear a story. So make sure you, like, email the church or something on what God did. But we're, never, we're not going to be like, hey, what would you do with that $50? It's consider it invested. And would you guys give them one more hand as they go back to their seats? Oh, give me, I'm worth it. Yes. You are worth it, teachers. You are worth it. That was the reason for the song. (sighs) All right. Well, let me finish up with this last thought. As they're finding their seats, let me offer this last thought about some people thinking the church is and what it really is. Number five, a store where I find what I need at a price I can afford. And I become a customer. Who is shopping, and I, I'm a customer who needs something off the aisle. And here's the thing with customers: listen close, customers will not change the world. Customers will consume. The church, though, it has the capacity to change the world. And we're not customers. Look, look, customers, when when Black Friday goes on, customers trample over each other to get the TV. not customers. We're family. And the perception of family in this world is a broken one in many respects. But God has given us the church to be a model for what family should be. That they did have everything in common. That they did give to one another. That they did help one another. I wanna say to you, if you're not a part of a local church, I don't mean part of a building, I don't mean part of of, of a place, I mean part of a people that wanna be what the book of Acts said the church was going to be. If you're not part, there's so many things you're not gonna be able to accomplish because you're not a part of the church family. We we cannot love one another and sharpen one another um, and, 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 and encourage one another and carry one another's burdens without us being the family of God. I mean, we scratch each other's backs. We deal with each other's wounds. We have that in common. I end with this story. My great-grandfather, Eldon Yancey, half Cherokee Indian, half, I don't know, Arkansas. Great-grandpa Eldon was a migrant farm worker who lived in Arkansas, Kansas City, would travel back and forth doing farm work and construction work. Would move up to Oregon to pick pick apples in the orchards. Would be in Kansas City to build homes. Would be in Arkansas to raise pigs and cows, farm the land. Great-grandpa Eldon also worked in the sawmill. And uh, when he was young, teenager, he was working a sawmill, and he lost his index finger on this hand. Ten years later, working in that same sawmill, he lost these three fingers on this hand. Even though he was still young, like he had these, that was his last time, he finally said, okay, I've learned my lesson, you know. (laughs) I've learned it four times, it's time to do something else. That that guy was so strong, even with just like two hands. He was right-handed, and I, I watched him would write stuff with a pen. And he also could hold a hammer between, between his pinky and his thumb, and he could nail he could drive a nail through a, through a board all the way through in one stroke with just a thumb and a pinky. He goes, pff, pff, pff. The guy was like a brick, and man, he he had such a big old heart. Us grandkids, great-grandkids would show up to his little house there in Violet Hill, Arkansas, and he'd be rocking on the porch, and we'd pull up, he'd be sipping his sweet tea with two fingers, you know. He'd set that thing down and he'd come up on the porch like this. He'd say, Where are them babies? Where are them babies? And as a 10-year-old, it's a little freaky. It's a little freaky, the claws after you, the crab. And so, hey, Grandpa Eldon, we get close. he like, oh, come here, baby. Oh, tickle, tickle, tickle. Like, oh, dad. Weird. <laughs> Never inappropriate, just weird, okay? Well, my dad grew up with Grandpa Elden and traveled back and forth from Kansas City to Arkansas on numerous occasions. When my dad was 10 years old, um, driving towards Arkansas on the south side of Springfield, Missouri. They stopped a four-door car and got out in a Greasy Spoon Diner, and my dad and Grandpa Eldon were sitting at the diner, and there was a man next to Grandpa Eldon, and my dad told this story at my great-grandpa Eldon's funeral, my dad said that as I watched Grandpa Eldon looked to the person next to him, and the man there was eating his hamburger at the diner. And what Grandpa Eldon noticed was he was his twin, his opposite twin. Because when the guy took the hamburger like this, he was missing these three fingers and the index finger on his right hand. It was his opposite doppelganger. <laughs> and he's holding, he's holding the hamburger, eating it, and my Great Grandpa Eldon never met a stranger. And he took his hands and he put them right in front, right in front of the guys, you know, sitting on the bar. He says, and here's what Grandpa Eldon says. He said, Greetings, brother. <laughs> and the man set his hamburger down, and they like they held hands like, like two aliens on men in black. It was just like and and All of a sudden they started, they shared, how'd you lose yours? Well, I was in the sawmill back in 1932. And they're they're sharing stories. And it was like they became family in a moment. Why? Not because of blood, because of wounds. (laughs) And my dad said in the funeral that Grandpa Eldon took that big rock out of the that had fallen off of a truck in his drive in his gravel driveway, he was just going to pick up the rock and he was going to push it into the ditch. At 88 years old, he didn't realize that he would overexert himself and his heart would burst, and he would die in the parking in the driveway of his home. But the moment that great-grandpa Eldon passed from this side of heaven to the other side. Jesus greeted him. And you know what the beauty of, is, of Jesus? He doesn't greet us as a customer. He doesn't greet us as the religious elite. In fact, Jesus, with Grandpa held him, stuck out hands that weren't missing any fingers, but they did have scars. And with his own scars, he says to my grandpa, just like he says to anybody that put their faith in Christ, Greetings, brother. Son, daughter. You know, I, I see a church here in the timber country of East Texas that gets way beyond the surface and is willing to say, I've got wounds and you got wounds. And it's what binds us together. And I got dreams and you got dreams, and we're family, and I, I've got issues, and you got issues, and I got hurts, and you got help, and together the savior who knows what scars look like we can be the family of god and if you've never known what a real family is oh timber creek i hope we're able to show people what the family of god should speak like and live like and look like if you're new today and you're looking for a church home Pray with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've never tasted what it's like to follow Jesus. Maybe you've got religion. Maybe you know the word. Maybe you've been in and out and church has kind of burned you. I want to say Jesus. Jesus loves you. And if you need to start for the first time or restart again a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to pray with you today. You say, Pastor. I've drifted. Or, Pastor, I want to begin a real relationship with Jesus Christ today. Will you help me? Will you help me get started? Yes, I will. I can't do it for you, but I'll guide you. I'm a tour guide today. If that's you and you want me to pray with you, would you just put a hand up in the air right now? Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In your own words, you'd simply say to God, When you speak to God, you're praying and you're communicating. You don't have to sit a certain way or talk a certain way or do a certain thing. You simply begin to talk and you send your own words. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I surrender my own ambitions, my own drive, my own story. And I want to live your story for me. Thank you for not being mad at me, Jesus. Loving me so much that you would give me this moment to make things right with you? Jesus, will you give me a fresh start? I believe you are who you say you are, the Son of the living God who died and rose again and still lives, and your spirit is available to me. I ask for your spirit to be inside me, to guide me. In Jesus' name, with the heads bowed and eyes still closed. If you're here and you've been wounded, just want to pray for you. I don't even know what the wound may be. Maybe you were wounded by a church. Maybe you were wounded by a friend. You were wounded by a husband, by a spouse. You were wounded by life. Wounded by the boss. Wounded by decisions you made. And you just, you, you feel wounded. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would just raise a hand. Let me pray. Yeah, just reach a hand. And you're reaching not to me. You're reaching to Jesus in this moment. Keep your hand up. Jesus, reach down and touch their hand. May they know that you know what wounds feel like, you know what hurts feel like, and you are there for them. May they, as they reach out to you, may they know you're reaching out to them. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen.